We are beginning a new sermon series today called Powerful Prayers Waiting to be Prayed. And uh, man, this is an incredible thing. Um, Maybe you're here today and you struggle to pray. Maybe you're here and you're learning to pray. You're here and you say, I don't really know how to pray. I'm uncomfortable praying. Praying makes me nervous. I, if I ever pray, it's like when, when no one is around and no one can hear me and no one can judge me or whatever it is. And I really don't know the first thing about prayer. Prayer isn't natural to you. You didn't grow up with, with prayer as, as uh, something that was happening in your home or in your life. Um, but I want to tell you today, this is the sermon series for you. This is not just a sermon series for people who feel like they already have some kind of powerful prayer life that they've attained. The Bible gives us some examples of some really powerful, and powerful doesn't always mean complicated or complex. Sometimes it's really simple, but some powerful prayer that we can pray. Prayer isn't always the first th- isn't always uh, the, the only thing that you should do, but it's, it's always the first thing that you should do. Maybe you need to see a counselor, and there's nothing wrong with that. You should pray and then see a counselor. Maybe you need to be on the medication they're recommending for you. You need to pray and then see the counselor, then get on the medication. Maybe you do need to talk to a trusted friend or a parent or or a confidant or someone that can give you some good advice. But you also need to pray and talk to that person. Maybe you do need to make the decision on a major life change. But you need to pray and make that decision. Prayer isn't the only thing you need to do, but it's always the first thing that you need to do. During the Great Depression, there was a field that was a sheep ranch. It was owned by a man named Ira Yates. And Mr. Yates was really not able to make enough money on his ranching operation to pay the principal and the interest on the mortgage for his ranch. And so he was in danger of losing everything with his ranch. He was in danger of of everything being gone with little money for clothes, for food. His family, like many others, had been forced to live on government subsidy, even though that's the last thing that he wanted. Day after day, as he grazed at his sheep, he wondered how he would be able to pay his bills, how much longer things could go on as they were. Then a seismograph crew from an oil company came into the area and told Mr. Yates that there might be oil on his land. They asked permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many of the later wells were more than twice as large. 30 years later, after the first uh, well had been drilled, all the wells still had the potential of pumping 125,000 barrels of oil a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. It's now a famous West Texas oil field known as Yates Pool. The day he purchased the property, he received the oil and the mineral rights, yet he was living on government assistance, wondering how he was going to make it. Uh, It's an incredible story of some untapped potential, a multimillionaire living in poverty. The problem is he didn't know the oil was there. He owned it, but he didn't know it. Can I tell you today that there's some untapped potential in this room, that there are people here that have settled for something less than what is available to you through the power of prayer. You're sitting here today, maybe in need, maybe in, in a desperate need to hear the voice of God, to, to, to be, have his guidance and his direction in your life, and it's available to you. You're sitting right on top of it. And today I want to talk about the untapped potential of prayer, and over the next several weeks we're going to do that. I want you to think with me about how prayer is talked about in the Bible 
So you get an idea of how powerful it can be. The Bible says if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. Do you know what an incredible thing it is sometimes just to be heard? Just to know that someone's listening. Just to know that someone cares enough to listen. But more so when it's the creator of the universe that's willing to listen. The Bible says ask and it will be given to you. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the person that has studied prayer, the person that's been to Bible college, the person that has some kind of degree. It says the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. In our distress, we can call to the Lord and he'll hear our voice. The prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. The Lord will make them well. And if you've committed sins, you'll be forgiven. There's an incredible power that's available to us through prayer. We could sit here all day just talking about the scriptures and the verses and the things that are said about prayer. And today we're going to just dig into one of those prayers, one of those powerful prayers. For the next several weeks, I want to talk to you about this untapped potential prayer. We're going to explore several of these prayers waiting to be prayed. And during this time, we're going to be relaunching some of our prayer nights for the fall. And these are opportunities for you to grow in prayer, for you to learn how to pray, for you to pray with other people. And so we encourage you to get into that as well. If you're not familiar with our prayer ministry, Julie McGee is a a part of leading that and does an incredible job. And uh, she's going to be having some special events for people that are wanting to get together and pray. Our prayer team is going to begin praying together and doing some some incredible things as a part of this series. And so we're really excited about all all that God's going to do. So if if you're at a place where you want to grow in your prayer ability, you want to grow in learning how to pray, this is an an awesome time for you to jump in and to to be a part of of some of the different opportunities that we're going to offer to you today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33, it's going to be a minute before we get there, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 through 15. That's the powerful prayer that Moses prayed. But I want to set up the background of this prayer with the context of what happened in Moses' life that led him to a place where he was able to pray that prayer. Because the prayer that Moses prayed in Exodus 33 wasn't a prayer that he would have always been able to pray. It wasn't a prayer that would have always come natural to him. But God did a number of things in his life that brought him to a place where he was able to pray that prayer in Exodus chapter 33. While you're finding... um, that, that chapter, let me just give you some of, the, uh, some of the background about this and remind you when God first called Moses. Some of you will remember the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses was running from, for his life from the people that wanted to see him dead in Egypt. And God appears to him out in the wilderness. God appears to him in this burning bush. And it's this bush that is burning but, but not being burned. It's on fire, but it's, it's not being consumed by the fire. It's kind of a a different kind of thing. Imagine if you saw that and, and Moses had obviously captured his attention. He went over there and he realized that God was speaking to him through this bush. And God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And there were some incredibly miraculous things that God did to show Moses. And do you remember how Moses responded to God's call initially from that burning bush? Well, he was just excited, right? Let's pack our bags and go. Can't wait. Let's go lead the people out of Egypt, Right? No, he responded like a lot of us would also respond. Who am I, God? I can't do that. What what voice do I have that people would listen to my voice? I'm a wanted man. What if I'm not good enough 
to lead the people out of Egypt? Can't you choose somebody else? Isn't there somebody else that's better qualified for this? Moses made the same mistake that we do many times. He focused on the power and the ability of the one praying the prayer instead of the one hearing the prayer. The power of prayer is not in the one that's praying it, but it's in the one that's hearing it today. You need to know that because if you're struggling with prayer and you're saying, I'm not really a person that's able to pray. I don't know how to pray. Prayer is a challenge for me. I want to remind you that the power of prayer is not in the one that's praying the prayer, but the one that's hearing the prayer. Max Licato says this, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Moses in Exodus 3 had a lot to learn about God's guidance and about how you respond to God in prayer. Nevertheless, God told him, I will be with you. So God miraculously delivers the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt with Moses leading the people out. And there's two interesting things that we see in Exodus chapter 13 that are a big part of building up Moses's life. The first one we see in verse 21, it says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light. It kind of just says this and there's not a whole lot of unpacking it there. We're going to come back to that, but I want you just to notice that God is supernaturally leading them, that God is with Moses, he's with the children of Israel, and he's leading them. And then it tells us that God didn't take them the logical way. This is the second thing that kind of stands out. He didn't take them the logical way, the short way, the direct route, which would have been through the land of the Philistines, because he said that maybe they would see war and they would want to turn back. But instead, he took them on a desert road through the Red Sea which kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not the way that any person would choose. There wasn't a bridge going across the Red Sea. We know that God miraculously took them through the Red Sea. But we see that God's leading them, and we see that God's leading them not in the way that they would have chosen to go. Have you ever gone somewhere with someone that just knows everything there is to know about driving and about navigating, and no matter which way you go, they always say, why did you go this way? Why did you turn there? How come you did this? How come you, anyone ever been around someone like that? You have someone like that in your life? Don't nudge your spouse. That's not the time for that right now. But can you imagine how bad that must have been as God is leading them out of Egypt? And instead of going the short way, they're headed toward the Red Sea. And imagine what the backseat drivers in that situation would have been like. In fact, the Bible tells us. It gives us a glimpse in Exodus 14, 11. It's the people said, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? <laughs> A little snarky, right? Sometimes we're like that as well with God. But God is leading the people, and he's not leading them always in the way that they would have chosen. And I want you to know today that God is leading your life in several different ways. He's guiding and directing aspects of your life. And you may look at those, those things that he's leading and guiding. You just may say, it's not making any sense. This doesn't add up. Why in the world would God do it this way instead of my way? Why would God not do it the logical way? Why would God not do it the easy way? I want you to know that just because it's not the way that you would do it doesn't mean that God's not guiding. Moses and the children of Israel are learning that it's not just the good things that happen to you that are a result of the guidance of God. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around because we, we, when we experience a season of blessing, well, God has blessed me. But then when there's challenges, we struggle with knowing what it is to say. 
God was even using the chariots of Egypt and the whip of Pharaoh to keep people moving in the direction that God had for them. And ultimately, it was God's plan for them to see and know exactly what Moses told them in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring today. The Egyptians you see here today, you will never see again. But it wasn't the way that they would have chosen. It wasn't through the set of circumstances that they would have chosen. They would have probably preferred to not have an army of chariots on their tail driving them into the sea. That's the route that God chose. That was a result of the direction of God in their life. But it was also in, in recognition of the fact that God was able to supernaturally provide everything that they needed for the path. God's guidance is not always to avoid obstacles, but to overcome them. There's some obstacles in your life and it may seem that the the direction that God is leading you is directly toward the obstacle, directly toward the challenge, directly toward the situation that's uncomfortable in your life. And you question, how can this be the direction of God? Why did God tell me to come down here and face this? And, and that, those questions sometimes come across like the questions that the children of, Egypt, uh, children of Israel asked when they were leaving Egypt. Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought me out here to die? And that's just a recognition of the fact that we see in part, we see through the human lens and God is seeing the big picture and he's seeing everything that he's wanting to do in the supernatural ways that he is able and going to provide in your life. God's guidance isn't always to avoid obstacles, but to overcome them. Our goal in life is often the path of least resistance for us. God's goal is often the path of most dependence upon him. Our goal is the path of least resistance. God's goal is the path of most dependence. God's promise is not a life free of storms, but his promise is that he will be with us in the midst of the storms of life. We all love the part of the story where God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to walk on dry ground. That's a big, fat, juicy miracle. That's the God that we like. That's the God that we praise and we worship. And we're like, this is awesome. God did some incredible things. But Pharaoh's army chasing them was also part of God's guidance and his plan. And probably if that part had been missing, they would have never gone out to the Red Sea for him to part it for them. We may not always like the process. We may not always like the testing of our faith. We may not always like the setbacks in life. But it's precisely those things that God uses to develop in us what's needed to make our faith strong and for, for, him to, for us to help trust in him. If nobody was ever sick, there's be nobody that God would heal physically. And God's not causing a person to be sick so that he can heal them. But the sickness comes and God is able to heal. And maybe that's a part of God's plan for your life as a testimony and a a producing a faith in your life that's going to develop perseverance within you. We don't always like the process, but God's able to lead us through that. God was supernaturally guiding Moses and Israel and they learned that everything you need is in the cloud. How many of you are not technologically uh, advanced people here? And, and someone tells you something like, hey, everything you need is in the cloud. You're like, what? What in the world are you talking about? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I don't even know how to turn on a computer, let alone find where the cloud would be. Any, anyone feel me here? Anybody there? I mentioned the passage of scripture in Exodus 13 that mentions how God led the people of Israel with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the cloud represented the presence of God. And this is an unusual way of leading people, right? This isn't something that everybody loves the process, but it just kind of tells us that in Exodus 13, that there's this cloud 
And there's this pillar of fire, but we don't get a lot of details. But in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15, it tells us a lot more about that cloud that led them. It says this, on the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. So they're out in the middle of nowhere, and they, they have this portable tent, this portable church kind of thing. And it's a temporary place for the presence of God. They set it up, and then they're ready to move. They tear it down and move, and they set it back up again. Sound familiar? All of that. Uh, it says that for us from morning until evening, there was a cloud over the tabernacle that looked like a pillar of fire. And this was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud covered the tabernacle, had the appearance of fire. And whenever the cloud lifted from the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. And this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command, wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and they performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle only for a few days. So the people would stay only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night when the cloud lifted, people broke camp and moved on. So this kind of repeats itself. And give several examples of the same thing, but you're getting the idea here. What's the common denominator for them coming or going or breaking camp or leaving? It's the Lord's command. They're following the cloud. God's presence is leading them. Read with me a little more in verse 22 and 23. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command. Okay, why is this going into such detail and repetition? They followed the cloud and they did where, where, what it did and God led them. We get it. But that's just it. They didn't get it. And too often, we don't get it. Everything we need is in the cloud, but we're like, this is weird. This is strange. Why can't God just tell me what the next 20 years of my life is going to look like? Why can't God just tell me what decisions I need to make and make them for me? Everything we need is in the cloud. Is weird. This is not Microsoft. God's doing this cloud thing long before that's ever invented. Moses was in a place he didn't want to be with an assignment he didn't want to have. But God was leading him and he was learning to trust God. And today there's someone here today that needs to know that you're wanting the details. You're wanting the next steps. You're wanting a a step-by-step plan that shows you from beginning to end of the course of the entirety of your life and the decisions that need to be made and all this kind of stuff. And God's saying, I want to lead you. And I want you to be so dependent upon me that when the cloud stays, you stay. And when the cloud moves, you move. And when you take the next step, you take the next step. And that you learn to trust me. Some people don't want to follow the cloud. There's people who will wander around lost because they're too embarrassed. They're too proud. They're unwilling to ask anyone for help. Or they admit they're in need of help. Don't elbow your spouse once again. This is not time for you to like say, I told you so. Husbands, just look straight ahead. Maybe no one will notice that you're sweating. (laughs) My parents are missionaries. One day when I was about 12 years old, we had a service at a church. And the pastor said, you know, I'm going to close up the building. And uh, you guys go pack up your stuff, get in the car. And I'll I'll come by and I'll wave at you. You guys follow. And we'll go to the restaurant for lunch. And uh, so they went out to the car. And then, you know, the person came out to get in their car and they drove by quickly. They waved and my parents began to follow. We followed out of the neighborhood where the church was. We followed into downtown San Antonio, Texas. We followed out of downtown San Antonio, Texas. We followed into the south side of the city and it wasn't easy following. It wasn't like the person kind of was driving in a way that they knew that someone was following them. It was like they didn't know we were following them at all. Wait a minute. Are we sure of 
who it was that waved at us? No, not really. Was it the pastor? Actually, it wasn't the pastor. And this was kind of awkward because now we're like 30 minutes away from where the church had been. You can imagine the conversation trying to get that figured out and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we, we do that. We, we follow things on a whim. We, we're not sure of what we need to do. We'll, we'll wander around aimlessly thinking we're, we're on the right path and trying to figure out to the best of our ability. But God's saying, I want to show you step by step. I want to show you the next step. I want you to become dependent upon me. It's not always going to be the easy path. It's not always going to be the comfortable path. But I want you to learn to follow. And for everyone here today, I want you to know that there's a cloud over you today. And in whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you may be in a place of confusion. You may be in a wilderness season. But even in the wilderness, God will provide a cloud of his presence to lead you. The cloud not only let them know when it's time to go and stay, but it went before them. You may not always know where you're going. As long as you know who you're following, all is well. You won't always feel like following the cloud. That's why the passage we read makes it clear that we have to follow the cloud and not our feelings. There's a whole lot of language that we use in church, and some of it doesn't make sense. Have you ever heard someone say that they did something or that they didn't do something because they just felt led? To do that or they didn't feel led to do that. Now we're a spirit led church. So I'm not telling you not to listen to the voice of God. I'm not telling you that he isn't going to speak to you. Or that he can't lead you. All of those things are, are totally possible. Sometimes the language we use sounds weird. And sometimes we ascribe things to God. That maybe just that we had bad pizza the night before. Um, but there's things that you don't need to feel led to do. In life you just need to do them. Sometimes we. Give because we felt led. We share our testimony because we felt led to. We pray for someone because we felt led to. Let me ask you, if you only exercised when you felt led to, would you ever go to the gym? Probably not. Maybe for a couple people. Uh, that one week in January, that one week in May, when you're like super motivated and you're pumped up and there's all the like inspirational playlists and blogs that are out there. And then like the week later, you're like, eh, I'm going to stop going like everyone else. What if you're... What if you told your employer that you weren't coming to work because you didn't feel led like going, led to go to work that day, you know? Or your kid comes to you on Thursday and says, today's the first day of school, but I'm feeling led to stay home and not go. <laughs> Interesting. Sometimes we say we aren't feeling led, but it's more about the feeling than it is about the being led part. Sometimes we subjugate our relationship to God to our feelings. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to do that, but God is wanting us to learn to depend on him regardless of our feelings, regardless of what we know, regardless of what logically may look like this is the direction that makes sense to go. God's plan is higher than our plan. His ways are higher than our ways. His plan is greater than our emotions or our feelings or just the things that we think sound right. God wasn't teaching them to follow the cloud when they uh, felt like it. The cloud didn't consult with them and say, do you feel like moving today? Do you feel like we've been here long enough? God was teaching them to depend upon him. And he told the children of Israel that he was going to lead them out of Egypt. And Moses had all the excuses and all the objections, but they didn't stay there because God was teaching them to become dependent upon him. We don't have to feel it to follow God. We're not being led by our feelings. Some people came to church today because they felt like it. And others came because they prioritized the presence of God. 
Maybe in all honesty, you didn't really feel like coming to church today, but once you did, you, you got into an atmosphere that changed your feelings. And more than that, it connected you with, with the presence of God today, what he wanted to do in your life. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's not a feeling statement, but it's a priority statement. The thing about priorities is sometimes the less I feel like it, the more that I need to do it. Everything that you need is in the cloud. It's in the presence of God. Don't be led by your feelings. Not in life, not in your spiritual life, not in, not in any part of your life. Don't allow your feelings and your emotions to lead any part of you, much less your spiritual part of your life. Because there's an enemy. The battle that we face is not one of, of flesh and blood. There's a spiritual battle. And sometimes that spiritual battle will take a physical face, but it's not the person that we're fighting against. Sometimes that spiritual battle will take an emotional or a feeling uh, 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 attack on us, but it's not the emotions, it's not the feelings, because we're not guided by those things. We understand there's a spiritual level to everything that we do. All of this was a long way to bringing you to Moses' powerful prayer. Because I wanted you to see what God did in his life and how God worked that brought him to a place to be able to pray this prayer. Because sometimes we think, I can never pray a prayer like that because... I would never think about that, or I, I just, I'm not at the place where Moses was. Moses was an ordinary guy that told God the kind of things that we would tell God because we feel like we can't do it, because our emotions tell us that we're not good enough, because surely there's somebody else. That's who Moses was, but God did incredible things in the life of Moses to bring him to a place where he could pray a powerful prayer, and it's powerful because it's simple, it's not complex, it's not complicated, it's just something that wholly reflects the activity of God in Moses' life. God was teaching Moses something about the value of the presence of God and how God's guidance in our lives is more important than the logical path or the path of least resistance or the common path. God is developing in us everything we need to be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And he's doing this in Moses' life. And we get to Exodus 33 and we find this incredible story about Moses. In verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take the tent Pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it a tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and they stood at the entrances to their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And that's what prayer is. Speaking to God as though we're speaking to a friend. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and have found favor with, with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, and this is the incredibly powerful statement here. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Moses went from a place of refusing to go. He went from a place of excuses and a place of use somebody else and a place of, of all these different things, all these reasons why he couldn't be the person that God had called him to be. To a place of saying, God, unless your presence goes with me, I'm not going to go. What did God tell Moses when he had all the objections in Exodus chapter 3? God said, I'm going to go with you. 
And then we hear that God's leading them with this cloud. He's leading them with this pillar of fire. And it's developing the dependence upon God to the place where when there's a challenge, when there's an obstacle, Moses comes to God and he doesn't say anymore, I can't go, I'm not good enough, you need to choose somebody else, I refuse, surely someone else is more qualified. Instead, he goes back to what God's been developing in his life. He goes back to what God told him in Exodus chapter 3, which is, I'm going to go with you. And that's all that you need for the journey. That's all that you need for the path is the presence of God. Everything that you need is in the cloud. Moses knew that with God, he could face anything because any situation plus God equals everything. Any obstacle that you face plus God equals everything. God plus nothing still equals everything. That's the incredible thing about God being with us. And that's one of the reasons why it's such an incredible thing that God's, one of God's names is Emmanuel, God with us. Because just that promise, just that promise of God's presence with us allows us to face any obstacle. It allows us to face any challenge, any, any situation that you're facing in the business that you own, in the family that you're a part of, the circumstances, the financial situation, the medical situation that you're a part of. God plus nothing else equals everything. It's everything that you need. One of the most powerful prayers that we can pray is, God, help. God, I need you. God, don't, if, if you don't go with me, I can't go. I'm not going. If your cloud doesn't move, I'm not moving. God, I can't do what you've called me to do without your presence in my life. If you're not with me, I can't be who you've called me to be. God, I need direction and clarity. My wife has a shirt that I love. It's kind of funny. One of the first things she bought when we moved here, it says, if it's snowing, I'm not going. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. What if we had that resolve with God's presence? God, if you're not going, neither am I. God, if you're not with me, I can't face this obstacle, this challenge, this situation. We sang just a tag of one of these songs earlier today. And I'm gonna, I've asked Autumn to come and lead us in this today because I think this is a powerful resolve. There's some people that are here that you're facing a situation, you're facing circumstances that God's called you to do something. He's called you to step out or maybe just the leading in your life is in a direction that you're uncomfortable with. There's obstacles, there's challenges. You're questioning, surely this isn't God's plan for my life. Surely God has something better. Surely there's another way. We come to a resolve of understanding that whatever it is that we face, we face it with God's presence, even if it's an uncomfortable situation. That God plus nothing else is everything that we need. So Autumn's going to lead us, and I encourage you to let's just sing this chorus, and I'm going to dismiss here shortly.
God, if your presence doesn't go, neither do I. Some of you today, you're facing difficult decisions or circumstances in your life that feels like, God, where are you? You need direction. You need God to lead you, and you can't do it by yourself. God, help. God, guide me. Better yet, go with me. Because, God, I can't face this diagnosis without you. I don't know how to respond to the situation that I'm facing. I'm worried about sending my kids to school. I don't know how I can make it through the next month. God, this family situation, God, this financial situation, whatever it is, God's presence with you makes the difference. And it's a powerful prayer that you can pray. You don't need a Bible school degree. You don't need a lifetime full of prayer. It's just a simple prayer of talking to God and saying, God, help. God, would you show up in my life? God, would you guide me? God, would you lead me? God, would you open the right doors? God, go before me. Everything you need is in the cloud. It's a powerful prayer for your life. It's a powerful prayer for our church. I want to share something with you. Over the last couple months, we've been asking you to not only give for the future of our church building, but also to pray because there are some big challenges. And we've had some big developments over the course of the last week. We got an offer from the developer around us, Bill Spires, an offer that was different than what we anticipated. This was not an offer to purchase a small part of the land that we own so that we could build on the rest of the land. It was a, an offer to purchase all of the land that the church owns across the street, the area that we felt like was where we were going to build our church. And initially our response was kind of like, no way. It didn't feel like what we'd been working toward. But I can tell you after a week of a lot of prayer and meeting with our board and our staff and our elders and different people in the church, we began to ask if this maybe was the direction that God was leading us as a church, that maybe this was a way of him providing without this being the place of the future building. And so we began to ask if this was God's, God's plan. We began to seek direction. And one of the prayers that we've asked you to pray is for a miracle in the financial situation that will allow us to build the building that God has for us. And so last week in a unanimous decision from 
not only our board, but also from several of our elders, from several other leaders that were a part of this, members and individuals. We made the decision to sell all 35 of the acres and trust God that if that was not the spot that he had for us, that he would lead us into an unknown future. The, the positive side of this is the offer that was made was a substantial one that puts us in a financial situation to better build the church. And so we've been praying, God, would you, would you move? I'll remind you, we've asked for three miracles in this process. We asked for the miracle of selling our building. It was about three miles south of here at a time where commercial buildings weren't selling. And God answered and helped us to sell that building. We've asked for a financial breakthrough and miracle so that we could be able to build because we didn't have the money to build a church when we stepped out in faith. And I believe that what God has done over the course of the last week has responded to the financial aspect of the prayer that we've been praying. Now that leads us to a, a future. Where are we going to build? There's a lot of questions I understand that you may have and that we have. We don't know the answer to every question at this point. What we do know is we see God's hand in this. We see him working in what was a very difficult and complicated situation to provide for us in an incredible way. And we don't know exactly what that means. We don't know. You can ask the question today and, and, and if you have questions, you feel free to come and talk to myself or our board or whoever you'd like. We'd love for you to do that, but I can just tell you we don't have all the answers to the questions today. We know that this is the next step. This is the next step in the process, and we believe that God is guiding, and his hand is in this, and that he is moving in ways that we don't see the full picture, and it's an unknown future. This didn't look exactly like the plan as we envisioned it, but I do believe that this is one of the ways that God's answering our prayers. As a result of the sale of the property and the generous giving, we're in a good position to begin the process of building a new church building or a modeling an existing building. Do we have all the money that we need? No, we don't have all the money, but we do. We are in a much better place to move forward with that. Do we know exactly what or where we're going to be? No, we don't. But we do believe that God is in this and this was something that was going to help us move forward and give us flexibility and options instead of being tied to one difficult situation where we found a number of challenges. And so we do need your prayers in the process. And I believe that the prayer that Moses prayed is a powerful prayer waiting for us to pray it over our situation as well. And over the last couple of months, we've been calling you to pray. And I know I've said Sonia Buescher has kind of felt a burden for this and a heart for, for this uh, area of prayer. And um, she's going to come and share with you today kind of what God laid on her heart really several weeks ago, really a couple months ago about our need to pray for the situation, because I believe that we're at a critical juncture for that. And so I've asked her to come and share briefly with you today. Morning. So over the past couple of years, we've had some board meetings where we've needed to make some pretty important decisions. And honestly, I didn't feel wise enough or well, you know, capable enough to make these decisions um, on my own. And so I tended to cling to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which state, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And at the end of the meetings, when I felt uh, pretty overwhelmed, I would share uh, with the board that I would just love to see the church um, joining together to pray for our church and for the future of our church and for our building project. That might partially have been out of insecurity on my part, um, but I just really believe that God is calling us to be a church of prayer, to prepare us, to unite us, to draw us near to him. And to surrender our plans in order to trust his. And we can take heart in knowing that God goes before us and he goes with us. 
last night when I was thinking about the event that happened last Sunday, I just thought what an amazing opportunity it was to be a part of that and just to see um, our church love and serve the community of Laramie and their families so well. And I was thinking about that um, just incredible afternoon, and I feel like he laid this on my heart, that a loving church serves, a powerful church prays. In the book, Preparing to Build by Stephen Anderson, he writes, The first step in building is to spend a great deal of time in prayer, seeking wisdom and understanding about vision and timing. And I would like to invite you to do just that. Spend a great deal of prayer, seeking wisdom and understanding about God's vision for this church and timing for a physical home for New Life Church. If not for yourselves, for Pastor Matt, the elders and for the board. I just came from the other side uh, with the kids, and this morning we were, our Bible verse was 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and it states, for we live by believing and not by seeing, or you might know it by, before we walk by faith and not by sight, just kind of made me laugh um, as we were doing that verse over there, just knowing where we are with our church and moving forward. I know we are entering another new season of our journey of faith as a church, believing that God will do great things in and through New Life Church, even though we can't see what's next. And so I'm asking you, will you pray with us? Will you set an alarm on your phone to pray specifically for the future of our church, for a physical building? Maybe write it on your calendar each week to pray or you are good with your prayer life, put it on your list to pray for it every day. Just do whatever it takes. Let us not only be a loving church that serves, but also a powerful church that prays. a little over a year ago we made the decision to step out of our building into this place what an incredible journey that's been my last sermon in the building was from exodus 33 god if your presence doesn't go with us then don't send us i believe that that's a powerful place that we are once again today is god if your presence doesn't go with us then then don't send us we can't do this without him we can't do it through our own strength and ability it's not through through our power, through our ability. And so I'm going to invite you right now just to pray with me over this situation and over everything that God's doing. I don't think this is a negative or a sad thing. I think it's an exciting thing. We don't know it, so it's out of our control. We don't know what that looks like. Um, but, but I believe that God is moving powerfully in this to bring us to a place with, uh, with the ability to move forward where we need to be. So God, our prayer today is that if you don't go with us, we can't do it. We need you to open the doors. We need you to show us to lead us, to give us direction and discernment. God, I thank you for your voice that has spoken clearly over the last week with the process of this decision. We thank you for the incredible financial blessing that this represents to our church for the future of building. And we're trusting you just like we trusted you to provide with the sale of the building. Now with the sale of the property, Lord, we're trusting you with the next steps. We're trusting you with finding that place, that building, that property, and moving in ways that we cannot see regarding the next steps and the future for New Life Church. Lord, we know that you already know. 
We know that your cloud is leading us, that your presence guides us, that you are not only with us where we are, but you've gone before us, God, and you see it and you know it. And so, Lord, we just trust you. Lord, help us to learn to depend on you. Help us to learn to follow you, not only as a church corporately, but, Lord, individually in our lives. Lord, you see the people and the individuals here that are facing difficult decisions, that have a place of 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 a a fork in the road where they're needing to decide, Lord, I pray for your supernatural wisdom and guidance and direction. God, I pray that we would turn to you in prayer, seeking your voice to speak clearly into these areas of our lives and your direction in every decision to be made. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.